Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where space blockades don't actually make any sense. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Bij. Let's talk about trade negotiations. Let's not. Today, we're talking about geekery. We're catching up on geekery. If you haven't noticed by now, we moved over to naming these after Star Wars movies. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, we just have stuff to catch up on. It's been two weeks since we recorded, and it's going to be two weeks since we uh, after this until we record again because of the holiday in here. So, I'm just going to dive in because we have a lot here. Um... I've done so much 2019 planning at work that my brain has been fried. So I actually went and I watched a bunch of like TV and movies. And you know how rarely I do that. Yeah, just binging TV. I don't even want to say binging, but just doing that to the exclusion of anything interactive, really. Exactly. Yeah. So I I tried out a lot of things. I didn't really latch on to many of them, but it was interesting. Anyway, so I'm going to fly through a couple here. And I think you said you've watched one of them. So we'll talk about that. But I tried Castlevania season two and I watched the whole thing, which is surprising. But I mean, I like the first season, so I guess maybe yeah, I not that say, surprising. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, you you watched the first season of it and loved it. So this, getting through the second doesn't really surprise me unless yeah. it was terrible. No, it wasn't terrible. It was a slow burn, but it like it set the tone really well. And this season was a lot more about like Dracula's court and a lot less about like the church and kind of like the the setting where the first one was because you watched the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I really liked like the first one i don't okay. remember a whole lot of the details but i really liked it yeah so this was good and you know it doesn't have too many episodes it doesn't like overstay its welcome um it had really good action sequences even though they were a little too far apart for my taste i wish there were more often or they had cut out a little bit less or uh, cut out a little more of the exposition but there's a really really good like second to last episode with amazing action sequences so that one kind of made the whole season worth it and it wraps up the story of season one and two but it leaves room for season three to kind of be something different which is nice oh, too. Oh, cool. Good. Yeah, that that shows that they actually know where the show is going as well. So, yeah. So that's a very good thing. So that one was good. Um, I tried Hilda with my kids. We're still kind of in the middle of it. And it's yeah. one that's like, it's fun with kids, but I probably wouldn't be watching it without them. Whereas like when I watched The Dragon Prince and I got into that, I liked it. And then I was like, I kind of invited my daughter to watch it and we watched it together. Oh, okay. But if she had said no... I would have been okay with it. Like, I would have kept watching it anyway. Yeah, but I, I like this one a lot. And I keep having people send me messages about it, saying that because of how much I love Gravity Falls, that I need to watch this one. And so it's on my on my list. I keep seeing it on there whenever I get in the mood to sit down and just watch a cartoon like that, which is actually probably going to be very soon. Uh, that one is going to be one of the the kind of whimsical go-tos that I that I'm going to have. So it's it looks exactly like the kind of cartoon I love. Yeah, it's good. I mean, especially with kids. It's really good with kids. So I've been watching that mostly with my son. My daughter's kind of been in and out a little bit, but he likes it a lot. And so I'm having fun watching it with him. Um, I tried. I finally got around to trying Avatar, The Last Airbender, after so many people told me to check it out after I liked The Dragon Prince. So <laughs> I tried it, but like the tone is just too childish. And I don't mean that in like a derogatory way. It's just that it really is geared towards kids as the primary audience. And like, I don't know if that's even the right term for it, but the story, you can tell there's an underlying story that's slightly more mature, but the tone throughout it is just like off-putting to me. Uh, and it feels like exclusionary to adults, whereas most things that are made, because this was made a while ago, you know, it's not super modern. Um, if it's made modern, like a lot of things are 
aiming towards kids, but they're inclusive of adults. And this feels kind of exclusive of adults in a way that just didn't work for me. It was also entirely predictable through where I watched. And I kind of, like, I started hopping around. But even though I was hopping around, I got through most of the first season, kind of. Oh, wow. I didn't expect you to get that through that many. In fits and starts. Like, this was me starting to fast forward and, like, please, is there anything here worth my time? Eh, maybe not. So... The other thing is that it's like 20 episode seasons, which you know how I feel about that these days. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And those are hard to get through anyway. And if it's a show that you are, you're not really, really clicking with, they can be a slog. That one was, I don't know, I kind of bounced. Um, I did like some of the action sequences. Um, and then I tried, I just sampled just the very, very beginning of Legend of Korra. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like way, way better. So I think I'm going to come back around to that. But I didn't even watch a whole oh. episode. So I don't want to weigh in on it too much. I watched like a few minutes and then I kind of clicked around and I was like, is this different enough? And I think it might be, which is interesting. Heard, and it's weird because I hear and someone corrected me on this, that the the ratings on Korra and Avatar are backwards from what I thought, because I'd always heard uh, from anecdotes uh, from people that uh, Korra was better than Avatar. That's and what I've heard too. The, the ratings on like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes, I can't remember uh, where they said, uh, were the exact opposite. The Korra had significantly lower ratings in general than Avatar did. And I wonder if that is that uh, the people who review it, if it is uh, coming from the time uh, before Korra, uh, where you couldn't look at them uh, objectively that way or what but either way i'm glad that cora seems like something you could get into uh because i've heard nothing but good things about both of them honestly yeah i think so so the next time that i get a chance and i want to do another kind of like tv check out a bunch of new things um legend of Korra is definitely on the list for that and then um i watched a little bit well, i watched the whole first episode and a little bit of the second of the chilling adventures of sabrina on netflix the netflix original and right it's horror kind of it's not exactly it's like horror adjacent um it reminds me of like stranger things kind of that tone where it's almost like thriller creepy but then every once in a while it flips into horror um right it's kind of interesting because i liked sabrina when it was in tgif i mean you and i grew up with tgif right but like ultimately this isn't my genre but i think i might want to watch more i I mostly bring it up because i think you would like it i really think that this might be a show that would be like right in your wheelhouse i'm fairly certain that it is i've had a lot of people uh tell me that it's great i've seen good things about it on the internet and we were almost going to start it a few weeks ago and ended up getting into other things that we were watching and uh this is one where i think you told me that it has some really weird out of place violence in it that you didn't expect no it's Um, not out of place it has extreme violence but it fits with the tone of the show it does fit okay see i was actually thinking it was the opposite that it was a uh that the violence itself was out of place um but that's something it works like it works with the horror element of it and it's i don't know this is not the tgif sabrina it's not family friendly it's not that at all it's really telling like an occult story so if you're somebody that like has a problem with the occult or like you know kind of okay so when you think back to what people used to think D&D was like in the 80s, <laughs> right? That's like what this show is actually trying to be, like that type of occult type show. So if you oh, have a wow. problem with cool. that, avoid the show. You know, if if you have like religious reservations or anything, um, if you're into the occult or if you're fascinated by it, then you should like definitely look at the show. It's super interesting. Yeah, I really want to see it. I know one of my friends ended up binging the whole thing the first day that it was out. So it's oh, cool. 
and and he has he likes fantasy stuff and he likes this kind of fantasy and horror so i i'm pretty sure that uh that it would be right up right up my alley yeah and then like if anyone out there listening has watched the whole season i know katie and chelsea just did a whole episode like a recap on the season too so you have that out there to listen to if you listen to tea time with katie and chelsea on the network and then the last thing i checked out was uh, ant-man and the wasp i guess my overall review is it's better than the first movie but i'm also glad i didn't pay for it to like see it in theaters you know yeah yeah it's i mean it's interesting it's about fathers and daughters so it kind of hit me in the weak point so that's something it had going for it and then the post credits part of it um it really sets scott up to be in the next avengers movie so i was i was interested to see like what they're gonna do with that but that's kind of like i don't really have any more thoughts it's just like it's another ant-man and it's better than the first but it's not amazing i guess yeah i mean we watched it we ended up uh wanting to sit down since i've been in a comic book mood uh lately we've been like we wanted we watched in uh infinity war and so we really wanted to get into this one and i liked this movie a lot but i feel kind of the same way that you do it, it it's really the same way i feel about the first ant-man it's that the it, it's a smaller scale conflict there's not this world ending kind of issue they're very personal very small stories and they still matter because they're the personal stories to these characters and i really really liked this one but there's not a whole lot to say about it that uh, i'm glad they did this one i really liked evangeline lily um with her as uh it's not janet because that's a different character um hope with her as hope and being the wasp that's great i think it's a wonderful i like the side characters they make me laugh but in terms of of deep thoughts about it i don't really have any it's just it's fun yeah exactly no i just i don't have any deep thoughts about it either it was just yeah okay that was it was worth two hours but it also wasn't yep. worth paying to see in theaters for me so i don't know it kind of landed in that spot of marvel movies i also have a ton of games that i tried out or beat <laughs> or played but i want to hear what you did this week first then we can get back around to me okay so this week i've done quite a bit of new Please things tell me about du- uh, double dare first Okay, so Double Dare Live was awesome. So last time that uh, you guys heard from me, it was recorded before I got to see it. So it was exactly what you think it was going to be. You go in, and they actually have registration for people to to be on teams and stuff like that and go up. And uh, like there are people in t-shirts all around. So we get in there, and we are surrounded. We're one of maybe 10 couples who don't have kids with them. Like the, the, the entire auditorium was sold out. It was at the Tennessee Performing Arts Center center um in nashville and so it's the one of the big it's where all of the like traveling broadway shows come and so the their main theater here was completely sold out it was uh set up and they had this this huge uh, screen up front that was showing clips from from double dare when we first came in so that was awesome watching these old clips from double dare when we were kids and then there were just kids everywhere that that they were they were just having a good time and when it started we were like we don't really remember exactly what Double Dare as a show consisted of. Like, we couldn't remember the flow of the show itself. Oh, sure, and, yeah. And so we're watching these clips, and we're like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. I remember that. And as they started the actual program, it was uh, Mark Summers, the actual host uh, from when we were kids, came back and was doing this. Um, and he would get the kids just so excited to be to get up on stage. Like, when they did the, okay, we have somebody coming around into the balcony so that uh, you guys let him know if you want to come up here 
here kind of thing. I mean, there were kids leaping up and down in the seats and just screaming, like all of them at the same time. Uh, like it was hilarious. Like I had such a good time watching them. And uh, when they got pulled up on stage, they would do the things like uh, you have to throw raw eggs at each other and uh, if you catch it you have to smash it on top of your head stuff like that like double dare stuff and the kids were super into this the adults were super into this and um they want the girl right in front of me there was a probably a a an 11 year old girl maybe and uh she got called up on stage she got picked uh in the seats directly in front of me and jennifer and she she got a pie stuck in her face like she had to play like musical chairs or something i can't remember what they called it uh but they 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 did oh it was pie chairs or something where they pass a pie back and forth musical pies and then if you were the last one holding the pie you had to smash it in your face well she didn't smash it in her face hard enough for the producer so she <laughs> smashed two pies in her face on the front or on her head like front and back and so when she came back up to us like she still had all the whipped cream and stuff in oh, her no. hair like coming out like her dad was so proud of her like grabbing her shoulder and being like i'm so proud of you for doing that kind of thing like it was just so much fun like they had the entire full obstacle course they had the nose the pancakes so cool. they had the uh, the little squeezer thing like they had the slime mountain thing at the very end mount double dare or mount saint double dare i can't even remember what it was called now that with the slime was coming down and apparently they said how hard it was to actually climb because it was an adult who got to that one and couldn't <laughs> get up it and win like uh, it was hilarious like she was like that slime is so so much slippier slipperier than you think it is <laughs> and like it was just it was just a really really fun night to go to like i would okay. recommend that to anybody that if double dare live comes around that was well worth the ticket price i think it was around 40 or 50 dollars for the mid-range seats for us to have uh per ticket and uh so if you have a family i mean it's going to be a little it's gonna be more than that obviously but every bit of worth it for me like i like i don't like concerts that much like i'll go and think that they're not worth the money a lot of times and this time it's like yep they come around again we're going this was just too much fun to watch like every bit of it was great sweet i'm glad it lived up to the hype it did i gotta see somebody pick out a flag out of a giant nose get to them to, to pull like search under pan giant pancakes it was great it's a dream come true um <laughs> but i also got myself a new computer this week so i, I am mega excited about this that uh my other one really did just give up the ghost like i, I finally hooked it back up i've been working on my mac for a couple of weeks and i uh, didn't even have the other one hooked up uh, i hooked it back up and it was so far gone like it's not i can't even describe how like you get a step away from something and you come back and you're like oh and it's like it was just it was it was beyond done uh like it actually ran fallout 76 i'm i'm amazed to say that i was able to play fallout 76 on it uh at the lowest graphical settings and it wasn't that awful uh like i actually had a good time playing it uh but uh, i ended up buying myself a mid-range gaming pc so it it's not high end it's not anything huge like it's got 16 gigs of ram like a geforce uh gtx 1050i uh graphics card with four gigs a ram on it uh horizon 1200 maybe processor like solid mid-range but it plays overwatch on ultra and fallout 76 on high it's like i can't complain those are the kind it's playing overwatch on ultra and that's one of my evergreen games so anything like that i'm fine with and with fallout 76 destroying systems left and right uh it doing it on high right now 
I'm good. I can't complain at all. Um, That's cool. But you, I mean, you've been using it to play Fallout 76 too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been using it to play Fallout 76 now. Like, I'm, I love Fallout 76. Like, have you played it anymore since the the beta? Yeah, I'm, I'm not loving it. It's, it's okay. And so the most fun that I've had in it has been like with other people. And every time I try to play it solo, it's just not doing anything for me. And like the core of what I like about fallout games when I've played them has been the story. And I really like vats as a system. And it just like, it's not there the same way in this. And it's, I don't know. There's also like too much survival in this game. And um, there's like the inventory limit. And there are things that when I encounter them in a normal fallout game, I'll just get some, mods to patch them out because i don't like them like the first thing i do in a bethesda game single player bethesda game is get rid of um inventory limits and like weight restrictions like that's number one and then number two would be like if there's anything i can do to turn off like anything that's even remotely survival mechanic i do that and this game especially if you try to play it single player just like those are grading on me way too much Oh, they are terrible. Uh, that's actually my the only thing that I really, truly dislike about the game is that I spend more time eating, drinking, and crafting than I do anything else. Like I don't get to adventure and explore as much because yes. I'm having to because I'm having to worry about my inventory and crafting and getting rid of all the junk that I'm picking up, or else. But I'm not going to have ammo and and guns if I don't. Um, so that's my big like real issue with it. I'm really hoping they patch a little bit in to make that a little bit better. Uh, even if they make guns, uh, guns and everything decay slower. If they make it so that you you can like if they even gave a, a third off of all the weight before any of the perks came, that would help so much. I mean, I'm pretty much just having to dump stuff in strength right now just to carry stuff. Yeah, I did that too. And then even just like the shooting in it isn't fun. Like the shooting's not great. It's okay. It's It's serviceable. But once you get into the like, oh, I'm playing it as a multiplayer shooter, which is kind of what they're trying to do the more that I play it, you know, you start comparing it to other games like, you know, Destiny or Call of Duty or like an actual shooter. And then the once you put that as your frame of reference it's like oh yeah this shooting's horrible i mean see and i like it better than destiny like going from this one oh, I don't uh, going all. from destiny 2 to this one i much prefer this system for online than i do any of the destiny 2 stuff i've played i just find myself missing so many of the things i like in a fallout single player game like the npcs that are interesting factions where you can make meaningful choices a main story that's actually like engaging you know instead of just audio logs chasing someone that you know you're never going to see because there's no actual npc in the game right and it's all that kind of stuff you know it's like fallout with the things that i like the most about fallout taken out of it so it feels like a very empty world to me unless i explicitly have people to play with you know which it just doesn't happen that often for me and I haven't actually played with anyone yet. Like I've always had it off, not not offline, but I've just always done it solo. Not for me even trying to avoid people. It's just been what I've do. I'm doing because I run around and I explore because this place, like they've done a really really good job with the world. That this one. Outside of Skyrim, this is the game that has made me want to explore the most. Okay, hang on, um, wait. Have this you actually played Fallout Four though? 
I've started Fallout 4. I haven't gotten very far into it. Like, uh, like I got it just actually a couple of days before uh, before I got Fallout 76, so I haven't played a lot of it. Um, okay, I'd be super interested to see what you think, because that's part of my problem, is that's my frame of reference, and I really liked Fallout 4, and a lot of the things I love in it just aren't in this game. Okay, see, and I don't have that particular frame. I have uh, Fallout New Vegas is the main one I've played. Okay. Uh, so this one just feels a lot more open and airy and it uh it it look they did Appalachia right it looks like where I've vacationed all the time like there's a place early on in the game called Top of the World and it looks like a place called Obergatlinburg or uh Ghost Town in the Sky in the Smoky Mountains in East Tennessee like it looks so much like stuff like that it's like I'm I'm appreciating the world building that they did because they've got that verisimilitude going like they did a really good job of capturing that Appalachian feel yeah and I mean as much as I'm bouncing off of it right now um the setting is cool outside of like when you actually go to do things in it and then I lose some of my engagement but you're right like the Appalachian part's cool and then the other thing is I do think this is a really good base for them to build on but this feels extremely like early access like I want to see what this game looks like in 12 or 24 months if they really do support it as a platform because there's a core here that if they do the right things they could turn this into a very compelling game it's just like it's so not there yet for me you're absolutely right I actually thought something well when I mentioned that they may patch that in earlier but uh, I was thinking about that when I first booted up the game that I didn't feel like it felt like early access but it felt like a launch game that it was definitely Definitely an online launch game and uh, or a launch of an online game where there is going to be significant improvement in this game over even the next six months. So if you don't like it, don't write it off. I mean, they are planning on supporting this. And unless, you know, the the smear campaign that everybody's given in reviews has uh, actually works, I expect really good things out of this one because they it's a very good base even if you're bouncing off of it like you said yeah i'm i'm gonna not here's my plan i'm not gonna play it right now on my own anymore i'm gonna wait until somebody explicitly like wants to play and then i'll jump on like gladly like it with other Mm. people is fun enough and then outside of that i'm just gonna wait i'm just gonna give it like a year or a year and a half and see where it ends up because it could end up somewhere really good yes it really could i think it will I'm I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with it. And then, so my wife got me Dragon Quest XI for uh, for our anniversary. Uh, it was one of those things where we, we we didn't do anniversary gifts, but um, she's been looking for something for me. I was like, is there anything you want? I'm like, I kind of want this because Austin's been telling me about how awesome it is. And she's like, okay. So uh, so I got it on Steam the other day, and like I have barely scratched the surface of this game. Like, but it is so pretty, and it's on my it's on my new computer, so everything's as high as it gets, and the frame rate is uh, unli- un like unlimited, and um turn v-sync off and like it is beautiful this game is beautiful y'all and it's basically dragon quest 8's like spiritual successor in every way like even the addition of light which was just the standard one that i bought um came with two items in your inventory that make you look like eight's protagonist like the hero in eight for early on like it changes the way that you your clothes look it's hilarious that's like yep they want you to know if you like eight you're going to like this one, too. Yeah, basically. You, I mean, that's kind of what I thought. It was like, yep, this is more Dragon Quest. 
Yep, it is. It's more Dragon Quest. I mean, it, the battles are standard, but for some reason you can run around between your turns. Like, I don't exactly understand why. And you can set the camera to where it's normal normal JRPG fare, but I don't I don't quite understand why you can run around. Like, do you know if there's any benefit to that or not? Like I no, haven't dug I'm far enough sure into not. it. I, I read that in some of the reviews. Like, why is this even here? It's a holdover from Dragon Quest Nine, actually. Uh that was one of the systems they introduced there, but the positioning mattered. And then Dragon Quest Ten deals with it because it's a it's an MMO. It's an online game. And so they moved it into this one, but it doesn't really do anything yeah it's weird it's weird and um my my main thing being 71 minutes in it according into it according to steam i need a suspend or quick save like i realize that this is one of the reasons i might end up steam returning this and buying it on ps4 instead which I'm, I'm, i'm up in the air uh because of suspend and quick save like i i i will play this and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, something's going on, and I can't just pause it. I can't go into a menu or something or another part of my computer, and it will suspend that application like I can on the Switch, like I can on the 3DS, like I can on uh, the PS4, where just immediate not like immediate suspension, I can't do. And for I'd forgotten how much I use that in JRPGs that it has all manual saves and that well it has auto saves as well when you enter or leave areas stuff like that so it's okay but it's very annoying not to have a suspend so I don't know um, maybe that's just me being picky. Also, I've, I got back into a JRPG mood, as you can see, and got into Xenoblade Chronicles 2, uh, the DLC. You sent me a text message the other day that was just like, you're playing Xenoblade Chronicles yeah, 2 I was on Switch again? and I saw you jump into it. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, what happened to you? Are you okay? Um, it's I, I'm playing the DLC. I realized that I had about $10 in credit on... Uh, eight dollars in credit uh, on uh, the switch store at eShop and saw that the expansion pass was cheaper than the standalone for uh oh yeah that makes Torn sense. of the golden country so i was like i can get this for 20 bucks and uh, i was like i'll do that and i've been playing it and it's more xenoblade chronicles 2 the characters aren't quite as endearing as the main game but they change the combat up enough that i want to get through it and i want to see how they tie the actual story that they're telling into the main game because it's a prequel story to it uh, featuring some of the characters from the main game and I'm interested to see how the details work out that lead some of these characters to places that you know they get to Uh, so it's it's going to be really cool and at the same time I'm hoping that the side characters become a little more interesting because the side (laughs) characters in the first the first one the main game are really awesome that makes sense it's it's good like I like it it's, it's Xenoblade 2, so you'll hate it. <laughs> yeah, no, I will easily skip that one. Uh, so have you watched the new She-Ra show? No, I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's so good. Like, you know He-Man, right? No. I mean, yeah, you, I know of you, it, but I never watched it, and I don't know. Is that Masters of the Universe? Is that yeah, the same yeah, thing? Okay, so see, I, I have a vague knowledge of, like, the relation there in my mind, but I don't actually, that's like, you just got the extent of my knowledge right there. Okay. So so I grew up on He-Man. Like, I loved me some He-Man. And He-Man had a twin sister uh, and a spinoff uh, named She-Ra. And uh, 
in in real life, you learn from uh, the toys that made us that they had toys first, and so they made He-Man, and then they came up with what kind of show would this action figure belong to, and they needed one for girls, so they made She-Ra. Well, She-Ra got remade by the uh, woman who did Lumberjanes. Uh, It was written and produced and created by her, uh, Noelle Stevenson. And so it's gotten a lot of flack on the internet because of how drastically they changed changed She-Ra from the original. Uh, the animation style is different. She-Ra does not look like she did before. Uh, it's a modern animation style, and it's awesome that this is a fantastic show. Um, the characters are fantastic. The animation is fantastic. I mean, they do gloss over a lot of plot points that that really don't make sense on things, but like characters like Swiftwind, the uh, the talking unicorn Pegasus, uh, there's a character named Bo and one named Entrapta. Like I just love these characters. Like they make me laugh, they make me happy. And um like I keep hearing a lot on the internet about this show's agenda and that there's gender politics involved in it. And I do not understand where people are coming from on that. It's like it's all I hear about the negatives, and it's like nothing is ever said. I'm not going to get into it or anything here, but if that's something that you think that if if overtness is keeping you from watching this show, don't worry about that. Um, and it made my wife start rewatching the old She-Ra cartoon that's on Netflix. Like she grew up with that. Uh, like I grew up with He-Man, and uh, so she's been having fun seeing what they took from the old one and changed it into into the new one. And even as we were starting to podcast tonight, I heard She-Ra, She-Ra <laughs> in the other room. So uh, I knew she had started something up when we recorded. So it made me made me happy. Like those old cartoons are bad, but for some reason I'm enjoying watching them too and i don't have the nostalgia for she-ra like mine's he-man like i don't have the nostalgia on the she-ra show but i'm i'm enjoying watching them because they're so dumb like the good dumb the good dumb old cartoons you also are watching voltron yeah i I, actually it's because of she-ra that made me go to voltron because before you'll remember i got like three and a half minutes into it and i was like nope 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 hard pass well, I was thinking about She-Ra. I was looking some stuff up on, on the internet, and I saw Brave Star. Uh, it was a very roundabout way of doing this, but I got to Brave Star, uh, which was another Funimation cartoon, uh, the people who did He-Man and She-Ra, and it was about, it was about a space it was about a space cowboy. Um, and I watched the intro for it. I was like, oh, man, I loved all this stuff when I was a kid. And then I saw something about Voltron. I was like, you know what? I should go back and watch Voltron. That was when I texted you that there are eight seasons of this new Voltron show. Yeah, that surprised me. I watched the first one, and then I remember when they were like excited because the second one was about to come out. And I think I yep. started it, and then I I don't know. I had other stuff to do. You know how I'm on TV. I don't laugh exactly. very easily. There are and that's all already? I heard about it. And there are eight. Well, eight is coming out. Um, eight comes out December fourteenth. And I, I'm like, I'm the same way as you are. Where I was like, I had no idea because I knew that you had season two that you liked, or season one that you really liked, season two that you had started. I was like, okay, maybe season three will be out sometime soon. Nope, eight is coming out soon. Um, and regardless, like I enjoyed it. Like I'm, I, I really liked it. And the first one is like an hour and a half long or something like that uh, because it introduces how they get Voltron and. It's awesome. Like, this one does remind me of my childhood. I don't have a lot to say about it, but when I'm watching this one, it makes me remember, like, these flashes of childhood, and it's just in the best way, one of those, like, oh, yeah, that. Like, 
So I'm going to continue watching it for that particular reason. Cool. And the animation is neat. I like it when they do like computer animated 3D effects on a 2D background, and they do that really well in this one. I like the way they do the uh, the the lions and uh, Voltron himself. So uh, I also played Overwatch on my new computer. I told you that it plays it on Ultra, mm-hmm. and I don't know how long it's been since you played. It's been a while since you played because they um, changed a whole I lot. I in every once in a while, and I always see like, oh, they changed this character around. Oh, they changed that one around. But I never seriously play anymore. It's just kind of that evergreen. Like I just need something for ten or fifteen yep. minutes. I'll dip in. Yeah, and that's pretty much what I had done. I, I was like, I want to play Fallout seventy six. That's not here yet. I I just want to. Uh, well, the on this one at least, I had played it on my other computer too. But it was like, I wanted to play Hanzo. It's not that I Hanzo main. I Soldier 76 main. Um, that's one of my golden gun. But uh, Hanzo, when I'm not feeling like doing anything but being that guy, I'll hop on Hanzo and be that guy. They changed him. Like, I no longer get my, like, burst of arrows, like that, that ricochet over the walls. Like, you get, like, six ghost arrows that fire instantly in a row. Like, I hate it. Like, Hanzo's not even fun anymore. And it's like, I'm not even playing that. Like, he's not even fun to screw around on. It makes me so sad. And the same thing for Symmetra. It's like, I, I logged on. I'm sure she's fine now. But, like, I was so good with Symmetra. Like, I loved her. And it's like, she's changed so much. And it's like, I don't I don't even know what's going on anymore. I'm going to have to really get in and, and actually just practice to learn what the new new abilities are. It's like, I don't... I don't get it. Um, like I, I, in the middle of a match, just switching over, I was like, "Oh, this isn't right," and uh, and died. And then there's a new hero called Ash. Have you jumped in to see Ash yet? The, no, not yet. But I, I mean, I know of her. We talked about the uh, the animation the other week. She's really cool. Like she combines like my favorite playstyles of tossing grenades and pseudo sniping like i don't like Widowmaker sniping i like hanzo being able to to focus in and shoot but not have to deal with the the super long scope and i love the way that she plays and once it gets over being the new hotness and everybody's fighting to be her it will be neat to be able to try and see if there's anything if if i can get good enough with her to actually play yeah, uh, as sense. opposed to just being fun uh, because right now throwing dynamite and then zooming in and sniping at somebody kind of fun kind of making them run into your dynamite before it explodes it's a good time cool real good time um also i've been watching so much adam ruins everything they put a collection on netflix have you seen any of this one i don't no, think i've ever I heard you mention I it i feel like you've talked about it but i don't think i've ever watched any of it and i didn't i don't know because i've only ever watched clips on the internet i've never Maybe actually watched the show about. itself okay and like it's it's probably my new favorite show like it is about him dispelling misconceptions and like ruining things for people somebody says a as they put it in one of the episodes like oh no someone has misstated a common misconception <laughs> and uh, he shows up and then ruins it for them um i love it that this is it's fantastic that uh there's a collection of i think it's basically seasons one and two on netflix in the first collection outside of a few episodes um and i ended up buying season three on amazon uh and i'm going to end up getting the season four when i finish it but this has been my lunchtime show that i sit when and watch uh while i'm eating lunch or uh if i finish up work a a couple of minutes early before jennifer gets home i'll put one on uh it's like the facts that he uses to dispel some of these uh these misconceptions and the arguments that he makes sometimes they're too simplistic and selective 
I've heard that that from a lot of people. I've heard lots of negative things about the show because of that. And I feel about the show the way I feel about Wikipedia. I told my students that it's a good jumping off point that you can use to springboard into better research, that you have a general foundation that you didn't have before, that you can then go on and do the the hard research yourself. It's like this will introduce you to what's wrong with your commonly held belief that may not be true, and you can go then find what the actual narrative is that you need to have. Um I mean, because like, you know, some of them are simplistic, um, saying that like, uh, let's see, how did he, what, what was one of them like saying that Ritalin and amphetamines, uh, have uh, very similar, uh, chemical compositions like, yep, but that doesn't say a whole lot. It's like, you need to go and tell why that matters and what that goes into, uh, and how that affects people. But it's just that basic idea and then moves forward and, uh, like, I like this show. Like, I like learning new things, and this one really just kind of rapid-fires new things at me where I'm like, awesome, yeah, this is great, keep doing it. You know, give me give me, give me, me my info shot. It's like, I love it. It's uh, it's fun. Uh, I'm, I think that you would like this if you can stand his shtick. I don't know. I'd have to try it and see. Yeah. I, I think I need to wait until I'm in the right mood before I even give it a shot. Yeah, but if you're in the mood, it's qu- very quirky that this is a very quirky show. But if you're in the mood for it when you start it, uh, and I guess I was when I started, it was like because th- it just it sucked me in. This is one that I think that uh, that you'll like it. Like you said, if you're in the mood for something that's just a little off kilter, uh, but super cool. Cool, nice. So yeah, um, that was my couple of weeks. Yeah, sweet live games. But before we get into that, um, Q and A episode is next week. Thank you everyone for sending in questions. We have them all lined up, and we're recording it immediately after this, so it's too late to send them in now. But if you send them in, I will hold on to them for the next time we do an episode. Um, and also, geeky off for the week. You always like to tell the people. So we have a Patreon. Uh, hopefully you guys know about it by now. And if you don't, you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast uh, for some of our fantastic rewards tiers and help the podcast out. Um, I would like to take this opportunity to say if you would mind going to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast, uh, we have a post up on there looking for votes and ideas on what you would like for reward tiers. So if you could check that out, toss a vote in the poll and let us know. And while you're there, throw a buck our way. That'd be fantastic. Nice. Also, uh, don't forget about the rest of the network. Geekitude with Joe Hogan and Ray Vargas is fantastic. They do interviews and they talk about geeky stuff. Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. I know this week they did a full episode on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which I talked about a little bit, but they talked about more in depth. So if you need more of that, uh, since I haven't actually watched the whole thing, you can go get your fix over there. Okay, so... I've been playing a lot of games. Um, I'm still <laughs> playing a ton of Dragalia Lost. Like, I'm hooked on it right now. I did the banner event raid so much, like, so much. And part of okay, it was, what like... what was that? Like, I missed this one. So when I saw your notes, like, I'm not exactly sure what the banner event raid is. It was, uh, it was just, like, a wind boss. I mean, it had a whole story with it, and it had a bunch of, like, missions in the event to, like, get you to it. But once you got to the end, the part that's, like, repeatable, it was a wind boss, like, over and oh, over. It okay. just had raid mechanics. And I really liked it. And, like, where my brain's been at with uh 2019 planning and it's just kind of been fried so like this was the perfect thing for me to do when i didn't have enough brain power to play like a console game or something on pc and i'm still playing dragalia every day like i would be surprised if that isn't in my top five game of the year like we're getting to that point right i'm thinking about the end of the year it's only like a month away now so 
that I, I'm pretty sure that it's going to make the cut. I got to look back at the list, but don't be surprised if it shows up there. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, sometimes mobile games make the cut. Yep. It's it's rare, but this one's working for me a lot. Um, Gamefly. So I finished up my Gamefly subscription. I turned it back off for the season until probably, you know, around September-ish next year. <laughs> but I tried Hue, which was like this color-based platformer. The right stick is like a color wheel selection, and then different colors do different things. It was it was interesting, but the platforming was like too simple for me. And uh, I kind of liked what they were doing, but it, it just, I don't know, it wasn't challenging enough or suddenly it was too puzzly and not platformy enough. Like it just wasn't the right balance for me. But if you're into like a puzzle platformer that's based around color, maybe take a look because it was, it was decent. Um, it's pretty. It like I've pretty. seen videos of it. Like it is very pretty. Yeah, I tried this game called Valfurian Arc, if I'm pronouncing it right, a hero school story. I thought it was like about raising students in like an interesting school that's like a Japanese, I don't know. I was I must have been thinking Persona, right? Like Japanese school yeah. type setting. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking when you said high hero school story. That's exactly yeah. what I thought. Yeah, and I that's not what it is at all. It's like a really bad action RPG. So whoops, that was my bad. So I <laughs> sent that back really fast. Um, Moonlighter was an interesting concept where you're this like merchant, but you have to do your own item acquiring through like zelda style dungeons which is <laughs> fascinating and like i like the dungeons enough but the merchant mechanics just didn't end up being fascinating enough for me they were like Aww. slow and plotting and like i don't know it's just kind of annoying so i i sent that one back but i've told you i'm i'm pretty consistently about like one in 20 for a game that is borderline and i find it and then i'm like oh wow i'm really glad i tried this because i yeah. need this game uh, Tetris Effect. That's the one this year. Out of every you game I tried, Tetris right? Effect. I did. So I didn't buy it from Gamefly. I got it. I tried it. I returned it, and then I bought it digitally so that I own it the way that I want to own it. But Tetris Effect is so good. Have you heard about this game? I've heard about it, and I don't know if it was you tweeting about it or somebody else talking about just how great it was. And I don't, I don't think I ever even went and watched a video of this one. That okay. I just heard it was good, and that was I was like, okay, not my kind of game. It's Tetris. I mean, it's Tetris. If you don't like Tetris, don't buy the game. Don't even look at it. Like, it's, it's, well, actually, I take that back. Don't buy the game, but you should look at it anyway, because Tetris Effect is like a combination of music and sound and visualization going on while you're playing Tetris. And that is hmm. why it's amazing. The core game is basically Tetris. They do a couple other things. They add this like zone mechanic and they add, you know, a couple other things that are just kind of handy. But at its core, it's just Tetris that you're playing. But it's like, it's an all-encompassing, almost like zen or flow-like state with these visualizations huh. and music. And like the speed slows up and or slows down and speeds up depending on what's going on in the visualization and in the music. And like every time you move a block or you rotate a block or you complete a line, like it has audio cues that go with everything else th that's going on. And it's just been like such a really good... I, it's almost like calm down, almost meditative, but not quite because there's something that's like going on that's interactive too. Does that make sense? Are you looking at a video of it kind right now? Kind of. I'm not right now. No, I'm okay. just listening, trying to visualize that. No, it sounds odd, but it cool. Is. Like it sounds odd, but cool. It is. So I bought it and I've been playing it and I'm not, it's not a game. So, okay. You know that most of the time I try to focus on like a game at a time. Yep. This is not a game I'm trying to beat. This is a game that I want to play for five or ten minutes a day, and that's all that I need, and that's about perfect. 
Like it's just kind of a palate cleanser, but it's this like Zen flow state palate cleanser. And if you are remotely into puzzle games or if you have ever liked any version of Tetris, you should really go look at this one. Wow, that's that's high praise because everybody likes some version of Tetris. Yeah, and it's not a $60 game either. It's like 30 or 40. So, I mean, it's not super cheap, but it's also not a full price point. So keep that in mind. Awesome. I'm glad yeah. you found one, though. I, I've been actually thinking this year that you wouldn't have found anything that you wanted to buy or keep. I thought so, too. But no, it, it worked out. Um, another puzzle-ish game that I've been playing that I beat is The Return of the Obra Dinn. This is another one that I got to ask, have you even heard about it? Yes, and I was watching a video of it the other day. Like It was listed in, maybe it was on the Game Awards that somebody on Slack or Discord had linked, and I was going through seeing what all was nominated this year. I saw it and then went and uh, checked it out, and it is ridiculously beautiful. It's it has so such cool. stylized graphics. Like I don't even know how to describe the graphics. It's like if if a Game Boy came to life and or like you got sucked um, into a Game Boy of like the old Apple style adventure games from not yeah. the green Apple like when it had the green monitor, but once you moved over to more of like a full color desktop monitor. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, it's it's not necessarily full color, is it? Isn't it kind no, of this monochrome? Is not, but it, you know, you got a lot of monochrome ga- games around then, anyway. Ah, um, uh, okay. Yeah, it's it's like an early, but that's not how it plays. The game, yeah, it's not. It's no, it is crazy beautiful. Yeah, it's a first person game, and it's a giant logic puzzle with time travel and investigation. So the story is basically that there's a ship that was abandoned, and it just turned up like on the coast of wherever. And you're an insurance adjuster, which I mean, that's what I want to be with my free time in a video game. Um, and you have to go out to the Oberdin, and you're tasked with finding out what happened to it. And basically, like, writing up uh, a report of, you know, what happened. So you show up, you go on the boat, and, like, you kind of look around, and you're like, okay, there's, there's, like, a couple corpses here that are pretty old and not a whole lot. But you are sent with this case. So you go back, you pick up the case, you open it up, and there's a book inside, and there's a compass inside. And the entire game is basically around the two mechanics, where you have a book and you have a compass. And this compass lets you go up to any of the bodies, and you can click it, and it will take you back to the moment that that person died. And it is so fascinating because when you do that, you hear like 30 to 60 seconds of audio of what happened right before then. And then as soon as like the moment happened where the person died, um, it cuts to the scene and you're right in the middle of the scene. It's fully 3D. You interact with it in first person, but everything is frozen. But you can entirely walk around and see what's going on. So between having one still shot of the scene but again entirely in 3d it's not like a a 2d still shot um it's not point and click uh, no no not adventure no it's wazda you're looking around with mouse you know keyboard that type of thing so between that and like the audio leading up to it you have to slowly put together what happened to each person so your end goal is there's like 60 people on the ship and you have to say who each person is and match them up with their picture in the book and then you also have to say how they were killed or if they survived because some of the people do um and that's the game it's just like it's one of those logic puzzles where you gotta be like well if this person did that then that person couldn't have done this and this is probably this person because of xyz right and most of the game of actually putting together the logic takes place just in your mind like 
beating this game towards the end, especially after I had unlocked most of the scenes, because once you unlock a scene, you can revisit it over and over again and okay, kind of good. go back and explore. Um, once you do that, the game just takes place in your mind. Like it's just sitting and like thinking about it. And I I must have been in the perfect mood because I beat this game <laughs> in two sittings and it was amazing. Like I love this game. It was so good. Like if you like puzzle games, if you like logic puzzles, especially you really owe it to yourself to go get this one. I've I've heard nothing negative about this game that it's one of those kind of indie masterpieces. Um, I know it's not my kind of game. Like I don't necessarily like that kind of deduction kind of puzzle game, but everything I've seen has shown me that this is a great experience like just the videos and and reviews and people talking about it just good stuff after once i saw its name i was like that looks weird and i saw a screenshot i was like i want to see what that looks like moving then i started looking more into it. it's like oh i wouldn't like playing that but i like i like reading about it and hearing <laughs> about it yeah it's cool and you know if you aren't into logic puzzles then maybe you actually check out like a stream of this or a playthrough on youtube mm-hmm. or something because like it's it's just so fascinating so it really that, is that was a good game um I also played more of Red Dead Redemption 2, even though you told me not to. Um, I just I wanted to get my head around it some more. So I really like the relationship story between Arthur and there's this woman that he used to be with. And she's like optional missions as you go throughout. But it's so interesting. And I love this in games in general. When you get to step into a character's shoes that already has history in the world. Like I would always rather take a fully formed character that I'm inhabiting over somebody that I created in character creation that could be anything. You know, that's just my preference. And I know some people will love the Bethesda way of I can always make my own character and be whatever. I'm the opposite. Like, give me something that's fully developed. You know, I like The Witcher 3. I really like Arthur in Red Dead Redemption 2 just because he's a character who's had history in the world. I'm the same way as you are. People love character creation, and I don't even like customizing characters that much. Yeah, I I just like, let me... I'm there for the story and uh, the everyman blank slate is a worse storytelling it's not a good storytelling device yeah so i mean i mean i thought more about this game and there are some really interesting missions especially i played a couple more um i'm still kind of stalled out in saint denis like it's just not doing it for me but there's this lenny mission early on where you just go out drinking with lenny and it is like it's the best mission that i've seen in a game and i don't even know how many years like it's amazing what it does with perspective and forcing you into first person and doing these like jump cuts between things because you're out drinking Hmm. so it's like you know kind of showing you that like arthur's like losing it as time goes on and like losing spaces of time and it's just it's funny and it's well done but you have control of it enough that it's still an interactive like video game experience it's so fascinating like that's that's such a well done mission and then the other thing is that like for every interesting mission like that there are like five missions where you just ride around on your horse for 10 or 15 minutes listening to dialogue until you end up getting into a gunfight and you kill a bunch of enemies then the mission's done like that is the majority of missions are like that and every once in a while you hit a golden one and i just i hate that ratio it feels like there's a lot here they could have cut back and edited out and it would have made a stronger game um I also don't think I mentioned how like M rated this game can be with <laughs> you didn't No, but it very much is with like situations with violence with language like I have no problem with it it fits the setting really well but it's it also just means it's a game that I can't play around my kids at all like there are some games that are borderline it's like oh this is kind of violent but my kids are smart they know that violence right. isn't real if it's too video game you know stuff like that this one no like I'm not letting my kids see this game at all 
Like, I, if they come down, I pause it. If they're down for the day or the morning or whatever, I'm just not even playing it. So that's kind of unfortunate because I couldn't make as so much progress as I would in other games. Um, and then one of the things that one of my friends on, which we've talked about the AgriChat podcast before, but Tam on the AgriChat podcast said that it has a ludicrous number of well-developed verbs that are compelling even when the game isn't actually fun. And I think that is the best summary of Red Dead Redemption 2 that I have heard from anybody. So I had to bring it up. There are so many things to do. There are so many verbs that you can do in this game. But is it fun or is it just an overwhelming amount of verbs? I'm going to leave that up to you as a listener, but I'm not sure where I land on it. It's it's just a fascinating game. And I've been thinking about this game because and not that I because I want to play it, but in reference to Fallout 76 that I, I wanted to ask you because this game came out first, but this game is also overshadowing Fallout 76 in so many ways. I keep seeing people say, well, I'm going back to RDR2. Uh, sorry, Fallout that it's like I know it's a very fantastically good game. But was there a reason that that, that Bethesda pushed out 76 so close to this one? Did they really think? think it was going to be able to beat it like it seems like a bad choice on their part to release it it's like titanfall 2 uh coming out around the same time that uh, call of duty did yeah i don't have a good answer i agree with you i think it's a bad season and a bad time to release fallout 76 right against red dead redemption 2 and only like two months after assassin's creed odyssey like maybe they should have waited until they had some empty calendar but yeah i don't know that was their decision Um, I was just curious because you keep up with that. So I wanted to ask if there was any kind of business decision that you knew about. No, not that I know about. And usually Bethesda has a lot of free reign to release games when they want to um, as like Bethesda Game Studio. So eh, I really don't know. Um, The other thing that I played a lot of was Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. And I love this game. Like it takes the grind and the random battles out of Pokemon while keeping the core of Pokemon that I'm interested in from the mainline series. Tell them that I named your Eevee Vivi. <laughs> As you heard from my wife, she named my Vivi Eevee. No, your the other wife. way around. Your wife, my wife. Strike that. Reverse it. Um, they just, they haven't done a good job messaging this game. I feel like every time I see it, they're just showing the motion controls and like the part that looks like Pokemon Go, which are... Uh-huh it's fine like it's not bad it's just it's not great like it's fine it's serviceable right the thing in this game that's like keeps bringing me back is that the core of the like the core of the series is still there the interesting battles against trainers and gyms and all of that that is there in its entirety and they cut out all of the grind and all of the part that's just repetitive and like i never really liked catching pokemon in the old way where you had to attack them until they were down to a sliver of health and then you got to like try to capture them before they run away or before you accidentally hit them one more time and like i just i don't like that and this takes it completely out it also the fact that there's no random battles you can actually see the wild pokemon running around so you can just combo the same pokemon over and over if you're trying to get one with better stats or try to like get a shiny and increase your chances of that or even if you just want to ignore all of the ones that are common and just run around an area until you see one that you don't have yet like it's so nice to be able to do that so i hope that they pull over a lot of that stuff into the next mainline game even though i know that they won't do all of it um and it has nostalgia this is pokemon uh yellow basically i mean red and blue also but this is basically pokemon yellow and it has drop in drop out co-op which is amazing like i knew there's co-op in the game but they didn't do a really good job advertising how it works i didn't know that 
Yeah, basically, like, you're playing with one Joy-Con. If somebody takes the other Joy-Con and just shakes it, they just drop in from the sky as a support trainer. And huh. on the overworld, if they run into a random Pokemon, it will stun them. So it kind of helps you when you're trying to catch the right Pokemon. Otherwise, when you get into a battle, um, you throw out your Pokemon, and the support trainer automatically throws out whatever you have in Pokemon spot number two. So they get access to your entire Pokemon. Oh, that is awesome. I had zero idea of that. That's a right. great idea. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't think they did a very good job messaging the game. I'm still... It, I'm sure it's going to do great because it's Pokemon, right? And it has Eevee and Pikachu on the cover. But mm-hmm. I think they could have appealed to the hardcore crowd a lot more easily if they would have just highlighted some different things in the game instead of showing the motion capture mechanic over and over again. I honestly didn't know until you and I were talking that it actually had battles. That uh, Yeah, no, every, exactly. Because I was curious on how they were going to do the fighting with the motion controls because that was how you catch them, yes. But usually it's through the battle. You know, I end up killing three of them and having to grind more, like you said. And I thought that there was, that, like they had taken out battles in this because they I have never seen, I still haven't because I haven't even bothered to look, but I didn't know that there were battles. I don't know what they look like in this game. Yeah, it's. I mean, they look just like a battle, like except it's done in HD and it's on your home television, which is amazing because Pokemon's always been handheld. Like there are so many things like that. Like the core battles are in the game intact. And like you said, so many people don't even realize those are in the game. I also can't overstate the fact that seeing a full Pokemon game on my TV is amazing. Like it's great. It's (laughs) fantastic. And I think at this point, like this is probably the best place to start with the series. If you've never played a mainline Pokemon game before, this is where I'm going to direct people from now on. Um, it, you know, the no random battles, the no finicky catching mechanics. Uh, I guess another thing, just like they've smoothed out edges all over the place. Like you can access basically everything right from your menu. Whereas in a lot of older Pokemon games, if there was kind of like an edge case thing you could do, you might have to track down a certain person in the world or go to a certain area or complete a yeah. certain task. No, this game, it's just all right in your menu, which is so nice. Um, but yeah, I think I, I kind of prefer this to the mainline Pokemon games I've been playing lately. And that's really weird for me to say, because I went into this with kind of not low expectations, but the bar wasn't set very high. I just wanted like casual Pokemon game that I could play a little bit with my kids. And I ended up really, really liking it. And now I'm playing this game a lot. How is it in terms of the RPG part of it? Because I know like the last one I played was um, Alpha Sapphire and uh, no Omega Ruby, excuse me. So the last one I played was Omega Ruby and it uh, like the story is Pokemon story where it's not really in depth, but there is one. How have they expanded the story at all? Or is it still, I want to be the best Pokemon trainer. I mean, it's Pokemon yellow. Like it's... that's what it is. I mean, they've okay. Like, re- so they haven't expanded stuff no. like that. Okay. No, 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 no. It, no, it's still Pokemon for the story. <laughs> so if that's what you're going for, that's, yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. All right. But yeah, I mean, I'm liking Pokemon. Let's go Eevee a lot. I'll probably play it a lot more uh, in the next couple weeks here. So I'll report back after I'm farther in the game in a couple episodes. Awesome. Yeah, that's probably it for this week. We got to jump off and record our Q and A episode, which you guys will hear a week from now. Uh, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And we also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. And you can go to discord.geek2geekcast.com or slack.geek2geekcast.com to hang out with us. And like we said earlier, we're part of a podcast network. So check all of our shows out at geek2geekcast.com. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. 
And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Trade negotiations are fun. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.